Good morning. We are so blessed to have an artist and these beautiful artists with us this morning to perform and <clears throat> all they represent. And Dr. Martin, or doctor, I'm making Martin a doctor now. <laughs> he is a doctor of magic and creativity and, and such a gift. I said at the first service, it would be hard-pressed to find um, a faith-based community with, with uh, finer musicians than we witnessed this morning. Yeah. Who is right? <clears throat> and Martin has a bunch of product back there with his friend Anthony Mann on the table. So if you'd like to take some of them home with you, it's right there. So good morning. We're, this is a really wonderful day. And um, we just did this once. So I, wa- I don't want to repeat everything like it's all memorized because it isn't. Because I don't even remember what we just did. So I let you know right now, we start fresh in each moment and to put down what happened so that what wants to happen now is available. And, and, and that's a challenge for all of us in this, this world that we live in. So what I'm going to invite you to do if you're here for the first time, um, we're going to drop into some silence for 30 seconds and just to settle, to just drop into your heart space or into your, your body temple in a way. And so if you find yourself distracted in any way, use the breath to sort of focus you and bring yourself to present moment. It would be wonderful. The breath is the one subconscious activity we have that actually we can control. And when we slow the breath down, everything has a tendency to slow down. So I'm going to invite you, and we'll do a little bit of breath together before we go into that silence. And then we're going to sing a song, and I'll say a prayer that I um, offer. My offering, if it's not something that's appropriate for you, just let it wash over you. Don't make it one more thing that you have to break down in, in, uh, in, um, in any way, shape, or form. But it is just a gift. And it's a consciousness upon the prayer. And so what I uh, invite you to do in this moment is... I will move into the prayer in 30 seconds. Let's just drop into the, let's do a breath together first. Just take in a long breath and let it out slowly. And now the next one we'll take in and we're going to hold it for a count of 10. So make sure you take enough air in. We bring it in. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. We let it out. Beautiful, beautiful. We let it in, take it in one more time. Nice long breath. Hold. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, two. And let it out. Beautiful. And now we drop into the silence. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, 
is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so what I affirm and know in this moment, in the freshness and the sweetness and the possibility of this moment is I am called in my heart and my mind and my being to acknowledge this unseen force for good. This quantum field, this love, beauty, the quality of the divine, not an anthropomorphic presence of male or female, but both feminine and masculine. A creative intelligence, a genius, and that life is my life. It is all of life everywhere I look, speaking in the I am on behalf of each person here. Affirming and knowing in the I am that I am guided and directed in, in this perfect moment that I put down anything in any way, shape, or form that restricts the newness of the possibility and the opportunity. For I know full well my experience, but I do not let my experience inform me here and now unless appropriate. So I have a whole file cabinet that I can call upon. But in this moment, I turn my attention to this present moment and give birth and welcome to that which is seeking my attention, my opportunity, my expression. And so I know this day, this moment, has, been, has never been and will never be again. And so I, I show up in this moment fully awake and aware, paying attention in a new awareness, in a new insight, in a new peace and stillness that is a joy and opportunity and possibility. So I release these words in, in beautiful gratitude and appreciation. Gratitude that duplicates the one mind intelligence and genius that duplicates that one genius a will my will duplicates the nature of the will of the infinite to be a, a portal and an opportunity and a place where love beauty joy health abundance and celebration and laughter show up for this I give thanks for this day already being a successful day in the mind of the one and I stand in divine alignment with that, in service to that. Releasing these words together, we say, and so it is. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. So what I'm going to invite you to do right now is if you would be willing to stand up and engage someone that is sitting next to you or close by and say, good morning. I welcome the face of God. I recognize your beauty. I recognize your genius. Thank you for all the gifts that you bring to the world. Gifts that you have already shared. And gifts you have yet to discover. Let us strike an agreement that we give those gifts birth. And so it is. Yeah. All right. So, 2017, I'm the place where, this is the place and I am the place where possibility shows up, which is such a beautiful theme. And the next slide is, today is uh, the four common traits of remarkable results. Um, I talked about that last week, which inspired today, and if you weren't with us last week, I talked about Dr. Joe Dispenza's uh, journey of, of healing. He had an amazing and remarkable and very dramatic experience where his back was broken in an accident. 
and um, he was told that he probably would never walk again. He would, he would be diminished in some capacity and that there was a 12-inch steel rod that were gonna, was going to be placed in his back in order to stabilize his spinal column. And he decided not to do that. And through the process of what we teach in terms of uh, uh, spiritual mind healing, um, and he's very familiar with the science of mind. I found, I, I googled science of mind, we started teaching in Dr. Joe Dispenza, and I found a whole lecture on how he correlates affirmative prayer with what he does. And I thought, well, that's pretty interesting, because he uses so much of the language that we use. So I thought that was quite uh, uh, refreshing, and you know, uh, not that it matters a whole lot. Truth is truth. But uh, here's a picture. There's lectures and workshops. I just want you to see uh, what he looks like. And I had one picture up last week and, and how his name is spelled because a number of people um, have asked me um, how to spell his last name. I think if we click one more time, Joe's name will come up. No, it doesn't. Okay, well, you're going to have to just guess how his name is spelled then. <laughs> it's D-I-S-P-E-N-Z-A, Dispenza. So anyway, but I want to share this quote with you as we move into our... And we're going to do a ritual today. We're going to do a really exciting and... and and very powerful ritual that I think is very, very significant. And we, we do this every year. We use the flash paper. And I'll show you. I have some with me. So you have two options this year. We've had some, we've had some exciting things happen with our flash paper over the years. Um, first of all, this candle that people kept coming up to this morning at the early one and trying to light, this is a, uh, this is a battery-operated candle. So you're not going to get any flame off that one just letting you know number one but we have some little ones here and I'm the I'm the flame holder here because they go out a little bit so we just take our time as you come up and, and as we we um, conclude our discussion today and move into rituals so this is what the flash paper does and uh, I think it was last year or a couple years ago we had flash paper all around the bowl and someone dropped their flash paper and all the paper went off and this person felt so bad as if they'd ruined it and they went right out the front door and, and, you know, it was not, it was f fine what happened. So um, we just honor and bless that whole process. But want you to know there's no wrong way to do this. We have plenty of flash paper. So if you, if you start the whole bowl on fire, it'll be okay. We'll make it work. But anyway, we have these little candles here that uh, we have put out. And this is what it looks like. So you can hold it and then you just let it go. Now, if you, it starts to ignite and you throw it too soon, it could land in your hair, which will mean that you'll be... We've had that happen as well. So I'm just letting you know that... It's going to be okay, and even if you held it the whole way through, you'd get a little warm, but it probably wouldn't burn you, seriously. But you can just let it go, part your fingers, and... and uh, so what we're going to do as you come forward is you can have a piece of flash paper that if you'd like to, to ignite yourself, uh, great. If not, you can put your flash paper in this, this crystal bowl we have here, because we're going to light this collectively as well to represent the, the transformation that's uh, taking place and releasing... And letting things go is very important because if we're so full of ideas that there's no space for something new to show up, it becomes very difficult for us to have a new experience. So it's a metaphor, but it's a very powerful, powerful experience. And as we, we get to that point again, I'll, I'll uh, remind you of the opportunities you have. There's also a little candle here, and I'm ready to relight it should they go out. But I want to share with you, last week I talked about Dr. Joey's story, as I mentioned, and, and, um, and what happened for him and, and what happened to him. And I want to just be able to um, uh, share with you the four significant common characteristics of what created a remarkable experience. And I have a quote up there, the slide with uh, Einstein. Albert Einstein said, the intuitive mind is a sacred gift. Our intuition is a sacred gift. 
And the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. And intuition is very, very important. It's, a, it's where creativity comes from. It, and, and, and part of what ties in so beautifully with this is in Dr. Dispenza's work is he talks about, there's a beautiful meditation, his, his placebo binaural meditation. And in that, he talks about surrendering to the possibility, surrendering to the field of the unknown. And in order for us to make significant shifts and changes in our lives, we have to put down some of the conditioned mind. As I was preparing for the discussion today, I was working with Dr. Holmes, Discovering Our Richer Life, which is our book of the month, and it's beautiful. And I'll share some of that uh, later. But in this, uh, this book sort of jumped off this bookshelf a few days ago as I was doing work and I looked up and it's, it's by Krishnamurti and it's called As One Is and the subtitle is To Free the Mind from All Conditioning because all of us have conditioned minds and he talks about it brilliantly here and what he says in, the, in his um, sharing is that in order for this um, transformation to take place we have to have the awareness about what it takes with a conditioned mind. He says that the mind can only be free when it is completely still. He did this, this is a series of lectures he did in 1955, and here we are in 2017. But it is relevant and is pertinent today. It's the same thing that Dr. Holmes talked about and wrote about, and it's the same thing Joe Dispenza is saying. The great thing about Joe Dispenza, he's current, he's hip, and he's got a language that's, that fits the culture. But he's teaching the same principles. He says, when it, is, it is only then that the mind is free because it is no longer desiring anything. It is no longer seeking. It is no longer pursuing a goal, an ideal, which are all the projections of a conditioned mind. So how can we create the spaciousness and that opportunity where we can put down the conditioned mind so that all of a sudden, because it is in that field, as Joe talks about, to move to the spaciousness of possibility. In the meditation, he says, let your body go numb. Just relax, let your body go numb and surrender to the field of possibility, to, to that field of genius. And so I share some of these ideas because I want that to be your opportunity today. There may be something that you walked in this, 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 the doors today, but allow that intuition and allow that genius of the universe to, to inform you and to inform me. What is it for me that, that if I move this, if I can put down some of the conditioning, that there will be greater freedom within me, a greater sense of peace, and stillness. I love this example. I didn't share it at the first one, but don't tell them because I didn't have, I don't have the deadlines on this one I had in the first one. You know, we've got another service coming, so get her done. But he says, it is like this. If I'm a scientist, I must study, I must know mathematics, and I must know all that has been said before. I must have an immense accumulation of knowledge. My memory must be heightened, strengthened, and widened. But such a memory, such knowledge actually prevents further discovery. It is only when I can forget the total acquisition of knowledge, wipe away all the information that I've acquired, which can be used later, it is only then that I can find something new. I cannot find anything new with the burden of the past, with the burden of knowledge, which is again as obvious psychological, which is an obvious psychological fact. And I am saying this because we approach reality, the extraordinary state of creativity, with all the burdens of society, with the conditions of a, of a given culture. And so we never discover anything new. Surely that which is the sublime, the eternal, must always be new, timeless. And for the new to come into being, there cannot be any endeavor in the field in which effort is ex exercised 
as self-improvement or self-fulfillment. It is only when such effort totally ceases that the other is possible. But our, but our efforts are important. Our study is important. But at some point, we have to step out in complete faith. There's a divine intelligence that we're immersed in that loves us unconditionally, absolutely. And that's our opportunity. And, and so we, we do need our rational minds. I mean, when we leave here, we don't want to be in the, the quantum field driving our cars. Although I've been out on the streets sometimes when it's icy and think, that person must be in the quantum field right now. <laughs> the other day, I went, I went down 84th. I wasn't going that fast. And, 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 and God's presence was with me because I hit the brakes to stop at the stop sign. And I went right through the intersection. And fortunately, no cars were pro- crossing, but I couldn't stop. And I thought, wow, that's an exhilarating experience, <laughs> to say the least. But we've all done those things. So anyway, I want to talk about, but I want to share those ideas with you because there is a field that we are immersed in. And the more that we can play in it, the more that we can make it more and more of our practice. We don't have to know everything. Dr. Holmes used to say, I don't know, but something within me does know. It's exactly what he was talking about. Joe Dispenza is saying the same thing. Surrender the possibility. And the more he says we live in the unknown and the possibility, the ideas show up. It's that intuitive nature that, that uh, Einstein talked about. But we've made, the, we've made the rational mind the master. So, the four common traits of remarkable results. The first one is the, the, the agreement, and we talked about it a little bit last week. The, un, this, these, the, the recognition on all these people that had these extraordinary healings. And he went to 17 different countries and found people that had healings in their lives that were extraordinary. It was that there's an unseen force for good. There is something that animates life that is beyond us. It is, a, it is a mind that is greater than my mind. It is an intelligence. It is a wisdom that is greater than my capacity. And we have an opportunity to tap into it. So to develop a deeper relationship with that, it's the first two steps of affirmative prayer. There is one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. That would be some of the verbiage that we would use perhaps in our, in our prayer. And what it is, it's the intel. So we'd like proof of it. Where is it? I want to see it. Where's God? Well, did you know that it pumps the blood through our bodies? It continually gives us life. It is digesting our, our breakfast right now. Or if you had an early lunch, it's digesting whatever meal you, you got going. Did you know that every second there are 10 million cells in our physical bodies that die? And 10 million new ones that are born? Every second. Boom. 10 million. That's an incredible process. It has a greater mind than I do. It loves me enough to put up with me. Isn't that amazing? Whatever I do, it still loves me. So, did you know with our DNA, with our DNA, if you straighten out a strand of one DNA, it's six feet long, and we have enough DNA in our body to go to the moon and back, if we stretch them all out, 150 times in one body. Isn't that remarkable? I mean, that's not random. That is an intelligence that is ours. So, first, there's an unseen force for good, and we get a chance to develop the relationship more and more, and that's what Krishnamurti talked about. All of the great people that have come along in, in in the experience that have influenced me, had the ability and the courage to stand fast to what their mystical experience was and then to bring some articulation to it so that I could, I could grasp a bit of it. But, but the world will tell you that what's more important is everything going on out there when in fact what's the most important thing is what's going on in here. So the second thing is that each one of these people understood as they went through their healing and they went through their transformation with their physical healing that it was they themselves, their mismanagement of their lives that created their disease and their suffering. They took responsibility. I created this. 
by mismanaging my thinking and my lifestyle. He said the re they realized that the reason they were living in misery and pain was their, their, their doing. Statements like, I've been a victim for the past 15 years and I could never get over it, but it worked really well to get what I wanted. Because a lot of times those strategies work really well. Because if you are in victim consciousness and, and you need people to save you, you're a perfect opportunity for people that need to save somebody. But it just becomes a very um, dysfunctional relationship over time. Or the idea that, you know, I've been angry for 15 or 20 years with my parents or whatever it may be. And I realized I had to stop that were some of the statements that people shared. Because every time we have a thought, it creates a chemical. Every time we have a happy thought in our lives or a great thought or a good thought, it creates chemicals that match that. But if we have a negative thought of self-doubt or, or worry, anxiety, it also creates chemicals. And so what happens is I've shared, but it's so profound and so subtle, pretty soon our feeling starts dictating our thinking. Dr. Holmes said to learn how to think is to learn how to live. And to have the awareness to put down the conditioned, habitual, addicted emotions or catch ourselves, that's huge. Most people don't even think that's an opportunity. I, you know, I got my heart broken and every time I think of this person, it just triggers the, it triggers the chemicals and then the chemicals inform my thinking and I become depressed again or sad. And so how do we stop that? We manufacture those thoughts. So if we, if we can't think any differently, then we, we operate by how we feel. And that's a, that's a big piece of it. So it's understanding and then taking responsibility that it's ours to do or not to do, to have that, that, that awareness. The third one is the best way to move from the old self to the new self is to create, become creative. So to ask open-ended questions is so important because when we ask open-ended questions, the mind stops doing what it mind does habitually. Whatever that, your, your habitual patterns are, it stops the worrying, the concern, the, the, whatever it may be. All of a sudden we say, say things like, hmm, what would it be like to be a happy person? Hmm. All of a sudden, it stops the brain from the habitual pattern because it's open-ended, and we start gathering the frontal lobe, starts gathering information from other parts of the brain and other experiences we've stored, and all of a sudden, it's like, wow, that's interesting. Who, who do I know in my life that's happy? Anybody know anybody happy here? Yeah, like there's five or six people here that know somebody that's happy. That's good news. <laughs> this is great. What would I have to change about myself to live in joy? Has anybody, have we ever met anybody in the world that is just activated in joy all the time? That just says, I'm going to be, you know what, I'm joy the whole time. I'm just joy. Doesn't matter what's going on in my world. Doesn't matter what's in my bank account. Yeah, I'm going to work at it. I'm on it. Giving it my attention. I, I care about it. But you know what? That's not going to take me off the joy. That's, that's, like, that's like avatar status. That's like Jesus status, if you know what I mean. You know, there's a, a wonderful story about this, about Joy. There's a, a sheep herder, and he needed a new sheepdog because his, his sheepdog was getting old. And he had 895 sheep in his flock. Big, big. And the one sheepdog was getting old and getting tired and running around. And, uh. So he goes down to the sheepdog breeder down there, and he says to the guy, I need, a, I need a probably five or six sheepdogs because i got this big flock. And he says to the guy, says, come on in the back. I want to introduce you to somebody. And he goes in the back, and there's this beautiful sheepdog sitting there at attention. And the guy looks at this beautiful sheepdog, and the sheepdog says, Good morning. The guy says, wow. And the breeder says, this dog speaks six languages. And this dog as well understands algebra, calculus, and geometry at the university level. It's an incredible dog. The guy says, wow. He said, do you, do you think you, you know, can handle a big fly? So, yeah, he'll, no problem. This dog's amazing. So he negotiates a price, takes the dog home. They walk up into the field where all the sheep are in the flock. And he gets up on the bluff and he looks out over the... The, the flock with the new sheepdog, and he says, there you go. He says, um, I'd like you to round up 
all the sheep. And the sheepdog says, okay. He looks out over the flock for about a minute and looks back at the sheep herder and says, uh, that's 900. <laughs> like you to round up the sheep. I knew you'd love that one. I got a couple others, but I can't tell them in public, so. <laughs> Who in history do I admire that was great? Who in history do you admire that was great? See, that, the other thing about that ancestry stuff is Dr. Holmes' consciousness is still evolving. Ralph Waldo Emerson's consciousness is still available to us. We can invite that consciousness into our field of influence. It's not all the bad ancestry stuff. There's some great, the, the Christ consciousness is available to all. So what Dr. Holmes talked about, embodying the Christ consciousness. We don't look at the, the birth of Christ as an individual biological event. We look at it as an opportunity for all of us to awaken to that. I love this question. At what point did I lose it and decide this is who I'm going to be? The person you are today, if there's something that's, that's not working for you, at what point, what was the event, what was the experience where you said, well, this is who I'm going to be right now? It's all part of the conditioned mind. And the, the, the beauty of it is when we understand it, we have a better chance of transforming it. We look at it not because we want to embody more of it, embrace more of it. Most of us won't look at it at all. We just push it away. We deny it. But when we look at it, we then can catch ourselves sooner rather than later. Dr. Joe Dispenza in his book, I'm going to share some practices next week. But one of the practices he tells people is once you've made a new declaration... Once you've made a new agreement with yourself, when you find yourself going back into the old pattern of thinking, you simply say out loud, change, 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 change. And you stop yourself. Remember last week, if you were here, we had the two sticks and people were, this shall not pass. It's the same idea. Wait a minute. I made an agreement. Change. I'm not spinning there anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. But these are the kind of little opportunities where the shift can be so powerful and significant. There was a, a group of um, four people that were put in, or four groups of people that were put into uh, a test study, and they were all asked to learn how to play the piano at some capacity. So the first group went in, and for two weeks straight, for two hours every day for two weeks, they had supervision, they had lessons, they were taught hand positioning, and they had very much a, a diligent mentor for practicing the piano. Now, they did a brain scan with all the groups before they had this uh, experience. And then they brain scanned this group and they found that with the, the piano proficiency after two weeks, there were new areas of the brain that were lighting up because they were learning something new, new neurotransmitters. So they measured it and they found it's remarkable. They brought in the second group and they said, just play whatever you want. We're just going to turn you loose in a room. Here's two hours. And so people went in and they, they hit the keyboards for two hours and went home. They scanned that group. No change in brain scan. Third group they brought in and said, you guys don't even need to show up. Once again, nothing happened. Fourth group they brought in and they taught them hand patterns to practice. They didn't play the piano, they taught them hand patterns. And then they coached them to, for two hours to see themselves playing the piano. So in their mind, they saw themselves playing a piano for two weeks straight. And they matched the brain scans of the first group that actually played and practiced and had the supervision. Isn't it remarkable? And to know that, if you've seen that movie, uh, Sommelier, have you seen that psalm? It's about these young people that, that learn how to taste wine. And then they'll say, oh, this comes from the, this region of France on the south side of the hill. And it, I taste tennis balls and gravel in this one. And I'm like, I mean, it's remarkable. Eh? They're, they're sipping wine. And these guys have to know this to pass to be a sommelier. Who knew there was a job drinking wine? You get big bucks to do. Right? 
I'd, I'd be doing that right now if I could have, but anyway, I'm here with you. But the point is, is what happens with that is that it opens up a new awareness. It opens up um, a sensitivity and an, uh, a level of attention because they've set that intention. I mean, that's how pliable the, the, this capacity we have is to develop that, that, that taste. So the best way to shift is to become creative. The best way to say is, well, that's for me. Wow, where would I like to be? Where would I like to go? Where am I now and what would I like to do? I'd like to be over there. Well, what things do I have now that will carry me there and what things can't I take with me on the journey? And if you work that way and leave it open-ended, the information will show up if you spend enough time in the silence to listen. But if we're just back into the frantic uh, analytical mind, nothing can show up. And then it's frustrating. And then, so we've got the unseen force for good, developing the relationship, taking responsibility. Hey, I created this mess. I can shift it. Then it's, how do I move out of it? It's to get creative. And the fourth one is, life is not predetermined. Life is not predetermined. We get 50% of what we know from our parents. If you, have, if you had an angry father, you got some of that. You got a mother that was over uh, protective, you got some of that. But 50%, only 50%. The, rest, the other 50% is ours. See, see, the body, what happens when we, we go into these states of being and we have these experiences is that every experience enriches us. When we have an experience of learning how to ride a bicycle, and we've had the experience, we're out on the street and we go up the hill and our heart rate increases and we start to sweat a little bit. And then we go down the other side of the hill and we, and we feel the, the air. All of that stuff is a, is a tactile, five sensory experience. There's a, there's a smell to it. There's a visual to it. There's a kinesthetic feeling to it. And that is such a rich, rich experience. So knowing that, working in that predetermined, like Joe says in his meditation that we've been working with, what would that feel like? What is it that you want to experience now? So just like the guys that weren't playing the piano but imagining playing the piano, what would it feel like for you to be powerful and successful? To look at your history and realize this prepared me. This helped transform me for this, what is before me. I needed that to be here in the way I'm being now. That I wasn't being punished, I was being transformed and shaped. And to fall in love with your future. I don't care how old you are, we can all fall in love with our future. And to tr surrender to the unknown, if we trust this unseen force for good, love, beauty, we could call it, why wouldn't we surrender to that and say, what is mine next? What is mine to do? What is mine to be? That's new thought. That's possibility. That's creativity. Then it doesn't matter what's going on out there. It does. But to give all of our attention to that which we do not control... And so little attention to what is so precious within us. That's what Krishnamurti was talking about. He wrote the whole book on getting rid of the conditioned mind. When Krishnamurti uh, tells a story of he went to his teacher, he wanted to study with this particular teacher, and he went to the teacher and he said, is it right there? Thomas is looking for the title. He's very, he's very linear, so I'm giving it to him. Anyway, but it's just called As One Is, little cute little book, eight, eight talks that Krishnamurti um, did. But Krishnamurti went to his teacher and he said, I want to study with you. And his teacher said, okay. All right, what do you know? And he said, oh, well, I did the yoga poses, did his um, um, postures for him. And the guy said, all right. He said, now you have to forget all that. Forget all of that. And Krishnamurti said, he said, you have to put it down. He said, put down, sir. And Krishnamurti said, put down, sir. Let the work begin. 
the lifetime of study that he just threw out the window because he knew there was something more for him to understand. He said it's very important to understand one's relationship to society because we get called, Dr. Holmes called it race consciousness. He said to be aware of all the beliefs, the dogmas, the tenets, the superstitions that one has acquired and to throw them off, not with effort because then again you'll be caught in it, but just to see these things for what they are and let them go. Like the autumnal leaf that withers and is blown away, leaving the tree naked, it is only such a mind that can receive something which brings measurelessness, measureless happiness to life. He said, the mind is capable of receiving something which is extraordinarily beautiful and creative, something which is not to be measured by knowledge or by the past. That's what Joe Dispenza is saying. That's what Dr. Ernest Holmes is, you know, that's why we're doing, we are a new thought. So what I'm going to invite you to do now is if you have flash paper, some flash paper, great. If you're uncomfortable with lighting your own flash paper, um, then what you can do is place it in this crystal bowl because we're going to light them together. There's going to be a flash that will represent the metaphor of the smoke of spirit rising, giving it back to source to be transformed. All the energy that's ever existed is still on the planet. And so it, it, all that can happen with it, it, it either gets transferred or transformed. To give it back with the intention, I give this back to spirit. I give my, my self-doubt back to spirit to be transformed into something new. That I live a life of courage and, and I live a life of, of empowerment and courage and creativity and opportunity. And to dwell in the unknown and to be in that mystery so that the ideas that feed that and develop that propensity to be invincible can take hold in us. This is our opportunity. So you can put it in the bowl or you can walk over to one of these um, uh, little candles here. They're a little delicate, but if they go out, I will relight it. No worries, I'll keep an eye. I'll be a keeper of the flame. And you are able then to um, give that back to source. So I'm going to light this little candle here. Let's say a prayer. Let's prepare ourselves to make the pilgrimage forward with your flash paper. And so what I know in this moment, and I am so grateful for the opportunity for transformation, to, really, to be able to look at my life in a way like never before and see where the conditioned thinking and the conditioned patterns are limiting the greater yet to be for myself. This is a sacred moment. This moment becomes as alive and as sacred as I allow it to be. My journey forward, taking each step, and as I hold the flash paper in the willingness and openness to give away and to surrender that which no longer serves me, self-doubt, anger, frustration, resentment of others or self, guilt or shame, whatever it may be, I know that this is a powerful ritual this day that opens me and in its space I surrender to that infinite unknown, to that world of possibility and opportunity. So in gratitude and appreciation, knowing that collectively something powerful is happening here and now, I witness it for others and I'm so grateful they witness it for me. There is a lifting and an opening as a result of what we do today. I release these words in gratitude and appreciation and together we say, and so it is. So if you're ready, Bill's got some music he's going to cue up for us. You know, Dr. Holmes said he believes that we've learned enough through suffering in this textbook. He wrote it in 1926. Dr. Joe Dispenza says that so many of us are tripwired for just survival. 
And for us to practice a little bit each day what it would feel like to not just live a life of survival. That we could put down our conditioned mind for a bit to let the new thought and the new idea and the new life come forward so that our lives aren't so much dictated by what's painful and how to bring relief to that. Because that's important. And when we're in pain, of course, we all suffer. But, but to not make that just the one theme in our lives, to, to not have everything around addiction or pushing down the feelings of you know, drinking too much or eating too much or sexuality or, or working too much, whatever it may be. But to bring the awareness uh, and consciousness to that behavior so that we have a chance to look at it and say, you know, do I want to keep doing this? And maybe I can put it down. And I'm in this with you. Believe me, if I had this mastered, I wouldn't be up here having this conversation. And I know how hard it is. There's times where I just get triggered and I go right back into, you know, the early domestication that I received. And then I've got to stop myself. As I, and I find myself saying, change, 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 no more. You know, the feelings that, that, of, that it's got to be successful or it's got to provide more power in some capacity or, or more control in my life. And those are all valid reasons based on our journeys, but yet to realize there's something more beautiful that wants to have its way here. And so to catch ourselves sooner rather than later and shift that and make room for the new thought. Otherwise, we just keep repeating the same thing over and over again. So our collective coming together and the joy that bubbles up and a little bit of the, the, the couple of times, I, you know, my hair didn't start on fire this time, but a couple of times you threw it up and I thought, well, here goes the, here goes the eyebrows one more year. <laughs> I just want to share this with you and I'm going to light this bowl in recognition of what's, what's happened here. And allow this to be a metaphor in your life. Take a little snapshot in your mind's eye that, you know what, we did this together. And it has meaning if we, if we give it meaning. We open ourselves to what's possible here. The world, the world is, is awaiting this infinite divine intelligence that loves us so much and puts up with us is awaiting our next thought. And you know what it's like when you've watched... If you've had children and they all want to watch the same video, you know, back when I had kids, there was the Disney thing, it was the VCR, and they wanted to watch the same movie every day because they loved the ending and it felt good to them. And as adults, we don't have to watch the movie, the same one, every day. Dr. Holmes said this. He said, my theory is very simple. Every person is on a pathway of an endless evolution. There is something that impels us. There's a spark of divinity that shapes us. And, and that rough-hewn guides us. Shakespeare said, everyone has an urge to live, to sing, to dance, to accomplish something, to love something, to give something. And the moment we stop the loving and the giving, we are forlorn. We are unhappy. So it's our opportunity, I think, all of us to, to give. For me, to give in a, a new way. So to take what I've been given, this opportunity, and, and, and model it to the best of my behavior and continue to do the work. When I start to slip into survival, when I start to get triggered by the old history, to realize that I'm just simply playing that same movie over and over again. So I light this, this crystal bowl today in celebration of what's moved it and shifted here today. And the people that were here at the first service as well, it was beautiful and powerful. And for you as well, what is it that, that you're ready to, to release and give up? In just the smallest way, it just takes willingness. You don't have to solve it all today. You don't have to conquer it today. But the willingness and celebrate the journey. Because we are loved beyond measure. We can't get this wrong, but we think we can. 
And then we hold ourselves, we can hold ourselves in such a diminished way that doesn't serve anything, but to use it once again to, for our evolution. So I light this bowl in recognition of that, that, what, that what, which has been that we're ready to give up collectively and individually. I support you. I say yes to whatever's heartfelt in your life and thank you for my yes in supporting me. Watch the eyebrows. You're right. Watch the eyebrows. And so it is.